Welcome to the Legacy House Podcast. Our mission as a church is to equip people to know God, live free, and find purpose. We express the mission of our church through adoration, biblical teaching, creativity, and discipleship. We have prepared this message for you, and we know God is going to use it to minister to you wherever you are and in whatever situation you're going through. Hey, if you've got your Bibles, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is where we're going to go today. Spend a little time uh, in the Word of the Lord. And uh, we're in week two of our House That God Builds series. And it was awesome. Last week, if you missed last week, uh, you really missed a great week. I would encourage you to go back, uh, go to iTunes, search Legacy House or Google Play, whatever you have, and, uh, and listen to the podcast from last week to get caught up where we are uh, in the month. It really was awesome. And, uh, and we had a great day. We also, at the end of the service, we, we really talked about this idea of ownership. What it means to be owners. Um, We aren't just uh, uh, consumers, but we're owners. We don't just come to God asking God, what can you give me? But we come to the Lord really saying, God, what can I give you? We we take possession. uh, We take responsibility. We take ownership of the things that God has placed in our hands. And uh, last week at the end of the service, we handed out keys, uh, like actual keys. Uh, and, And if you didn't receive a key last week, we have a few more keys left. You can grab one at the end of the service. We will take those out to um, the help desk uh, and you can grab one at the end of the service because we really wanted everyone, we challenged everyone who would to come in to take a key. Really, it's symbolic. We don't know the key obviously opens something. I don't know what the key opens. Uh, It doesn't open anything here in the building. But the key really is symbolic of taking ownership inside of not just this house, but inside of our purpose and call. It's easy a lot of times to talk about the things God wants us to do and never really stepping into the thing God has called us to. It's easy to talk about, well, I have all these dreams and one day I'm going to do this and and one day when God opens the right doors and we kind of put everything back on God of like when he does it, when he gets around to it, when he makes time, then I will. But what we understand as an owner is that as an owner, when we have the key, we have the responsibility. We have the ability to unlock the door and see what's behind it. We have the ability to let somebody else in. And so we as a church, we're taking, uh, taking ownership. So week two for us, we're going to kind of go hopefully a little bit further, and we're going to kind of look at this, this text from understanding what does it mean now that we're owners of this thing, now that we've, we've taken responsibility in this thing, what do we now do? I, I think one of the things that I, I hope at Legacy House we can be good at doing, which is connecting the dots for people. Um, I, don't, I don't want someone just to ever come on a Sunday morning, hear a message, and then leave and be like, so what did exactly did that have to do with me? I, I've been in a lot of services like that. I, I, met with a, um, I met with a pastor this week in town and he said, you know, he said, I grew up in a church, he said, where a lot of times I would, we, would have, um, we would have long extended services, and I would go home, and I would sit on my couch, or I would drive in my car, and I would ask, what exactly was I supposed to take away from that? What, what, exactly, what, what exactly was the one truth for me from that? And so at Legacy House, we want to kind of connect those dots for you, because we really want to build the type of house that God is calling us to build. When we understand when we, when we begin to do that, it very quickly doesn't uh, or very quickly becomes about everything other than us. It becomes about the people around us. It becomes about the people who are in need. It becomes about those who are lost. And, and uh, in 1 Corinthians 3, it really kind of dives into that thought. So if you've got your Bibles, go with me. 1 Corinthians 3, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 5, if I can actually get my words out this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. It says, After this... 
Who is Apollos and who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. Verse 6, it says, I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but God was the one who made it grow. Verse 7, it says, it's not important who does the planting or who does the watering, but what's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and they will both be rewarded for their own hard work. Verse 9, it says this, it says, for we are both God's workers and you are God's field and you are God's building. It says, because God gave grace to me, I have laid a foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building upon it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that we already have in Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father, we thank you today. Lord, we thank you for this message. God, we thank you for this time together, Lord, as a body and as a church. And God, we just pray that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray that, God, these wouldn't be my words, but Lord, these would be yours. Lord, I pray that, God, you would inspire and speak, God, truth and life to us today. And we give you all the praise and all the honor. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. As, so last week when we talked, there was the idea of ownership. We talked about the idea really of taking possession and, and taking the responsibility of what's happening around me, the responsibility of, of this life that I feel called to. But now once we kind of move beyond that, it's, it's kind of that where do we go from here mentality. Really where we go from here is we have to begin to lay a foundation. Now, we're not just talking like a biblical foundation or just a foundation of truth or a foundation of the fact that we believe that Jesus is Lord and and that he sent his son to die on the cross for us. That's, That's not the foundation that we're only talking about. That's a part of it, but it's not all of it. Really, for us, when we begin to look and we begin to dive into the scripture, what we have to find is we have to find that God has very clearly called us to lay a foundation. Uh, We have that big black legacy house truck, and um, it it kind of gets noticed everywhere it goes because it's very large, and and you kind of show up anywhere, and people don't really know what it is. They'll ask you if it's a restaurant. They'll ask you if it's some sort of business, and and the funny thing about the truck is right now, I'm currently the only one who drives the truck, Um, and it's a a diesel, and it's a stick shift, and like first gear is way up here, and second gear is somewhere towards the back of the truck, and third, you have to get out of the seat and like walk over and then put it in and then run back and jump in the wheel again. Like, it's it's, it's an effort, Uh, and one of the things that the truck has started doing recently is when you're driving down the road, maybe some of you are mechanically minded, and you're like, don't kill yourself, let me fix it. Um, Like, when you're driving down the road, I haven't told Bethany this, and you pull up to, (laughs) that's how you know it's going to be good. Uh, you're like, I haven't even told my wife. Um, when you're driving up to a, a stoplight or any time where you have to slow down, what will happen is, is, you know, you take the truck out of gear, obviously, you put it in neutral, and as soon as you put it in neutral, the truck dies. Well, when the truck dies, the brakes and the steering wheel lock up. And so 24 feet of aluminum rolling down the road with no brakes and no steering wheel uh, made me panic the first time that it happened. Um, I was like, I'm going to die like this right here alone in a black truck by myself, uh, doing the work of the Lord at least. So, you know, like as I was careening along towards this intersection the first time it happened, I decided uh, that maybe I should try to start it. And so uh, as as I'm sailing along and like 
I'm at this point like full standing up, like not in the seat, like standing on the brakes, holding on for dear life. I turn the key over. It starts, which is great. But the problem is when it starts, all of a sudden the brakes release. And so then because my full body weight is on this brake, I go from wondering if I'm going to stop to wondering how I didn't fly through the front windshield. Because all of a sudden, I'm like, my body is like contorted like a fortune cookie over the steering wheel. Like, like sure that I just broke a rib. And so the first time it happened, it was a little scary. Now it's routine. Uh, and so... <laughs> Somebody was riding with me the other day uh, when we had the skate outreach. Uh, Jason was riding with me in the truck, and we're driving along. And, you know, in the truck, it just, it, it kind of feels, the best way to describe this, it, it drives great on the interstate. Um, it shakes like you're about to die. Uh, but, you know, if it's your time, it's your time. And so, like, <laughs> we're kind of, we were driving along just down Ninth Avenue, not going five or ten miles an hour, pull it out of gear. It, it, it shuts off. You're just kind of careening down the road. No big deal. Just now you start the truck and you keep on going. So there's now this like rhythm um, that you have to have when you, when you drive the truck. I get it. It's not supposed to be like that. If you're mechanically inclined, please come talk to me after the service. I'd like to not die young. Uh, uh, but, but I've kind of learned the system, so to speak, where I don't really have to fix it. I, I know the, almost the way to cheat around it to just kind of maintain. And a lot of times in our life, it's kind of that same way in our own worlds. Is we've learned the, 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 the cheat code, so to speak, to our own life. We know where the issues are. We know where the problems are. We know where the frustrations are. We know where the things that don't really quite work right, and you got to just jimmy it the right way. And, you know, like if you hold your mouth a certain way, you can get in the house. Like, I can get in my parents' house if the deadbolt's not done. I can get in my parents' house with one hand. Like, I can put a, a credit card between my two fingers and hold onto the handle and get into the house with one hand. Because you just learn how to do it. I've done it to your house before too. Uh, like, like, yours is super easy. Uh, like, uh, but no, I, it, it's, you just learn the way. Like, there's something clearly not right, so you learn kind of the way to not really have to fix it, but still make it work. And in our lives, we live that way so many times as believers. Well, we don't really, we, we've learned the way to kind of live and survive without really having to fix anything. We just kind of know the trick to jimmy the lock so that we can kind of keep going and just not die. And we really moved to that mentality as believers, where it's, it becomes more about survival than really thriving as the person who God has called us to be. I'm just trying to not go to hell rather than I'm trying to bring people to heaven. It's a totally different mindset. And once we begin to take ownership in the life that God has called us to, we have to begin then lay a foundation. And what, as we lay a foundation, I believe there's a very important um, truth that we have to understand is that we have not all been called to everything. Let me just go ahead and like hopefully, you know, make your week a little less stressful for you. We have not all been called to everything. The more time you spend trying to do everything, the more frustrated you will be at the one thing God has actually called you to do. The more time you spend frustrated because you're trying to do everything right. When, when, uh, my baseball coach told me this one time, and he was just really was an encouraging guy. And uh, he, I, I went to PCA. I graduated from PCA. And, uh, you know, yeah, PCA, red shorts, white T-shirts in the house. And uh, that was our gym uniform. Girls wore cool lots uh, because if it was above the knee, they burst into flames. And, uh, and so I hope none of my teachers listen to this podcast. Uh, Probably not against the handbook. But anyways, um, <laughs> nice. BCA joke. Um, 
But my, my coach told me one time, he said, Curtis, he said, he said uh, you're a really good baseball player. Um, here's the problem. If you're a really good baseball player, you're kind of frustrated because that means you're not a great baseball player. And he said, Curtis, you're, you're a master, you know, you're a jack of all trades, but a master of none. And that's what he said to me all the time. He said, you're jack of all trades. You're pretty good at a lot of things, but you're really not great at anything. I was like, cool. I'm going to go cry in the dugout real quick. Just no big deal. I'm filling it up with water, and the water is my tears. Like, like you know, it, it was kind of the, that thing where I was a jack of all trades, but I was really not great at anything. That was the, the unfortunate truth. And a lot of times we live our life in that manner, in that way, where we try to be great at everything, and we, we, and we really are only good at a few things, and we're not great at the one thing God has actually called us to. We talked about it even last week as we, we in the message. We, we can spend so much time trying to reach everybody that we reach nobody. Well, God has called me to the world. Well, that's, that's great. He has. But he wants you to start in your friend group. He wants you to start with your coworkers. He wants to start with the people who you like to go to dinner with. Because here's the thing. We can picture and we can paint the world out there. Oh, God's called me to the world, but God has first called us to go to our neighborhood. And if we can't be faithful to go to our neighborhood, then we can't really be entrusted to go to the world. The Bible says to despise not the small beginnings. To don't look down on the little that you have in your hand now because God can take that and he can multiply it to meet the fullness of the destiny that he's placed inside of you. But, and it's a big but, but the result of that really relies on us. I, I know from firsthand experience the easiest thing to do is to look at every situation, every individual, every failure, every shortcoming in your life of why you are not who God has called you to be. I want to give you hopefully a very encouraging piece of news today, which is you have the ability in this moment right now to be exactly who God has called you to be. It doesn't take eight years. It doesn't take six conferences. It doesn't take whatever the scenario you've created in your head. What it takes is an internal decision to realize, you know what, there are some things that, for, that are for some of us, and there are some things that are for all of us. I've got a few things I want to break down for you as we look at this scripture. Look down with me again in verse 6. It says, I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. So here's the, here's the apostle, and he begins to speak. He says, look, I planted the seed, Apollos watered the seed, but God was really the one that made it grow. What he was saying was, I, I, I had one responsibility, Apollos had another responsibility, and the ultimate fruit of this comes from God. So what we have to understand is that today, first of all, before we go any further, let's understand that there are some things that are for some of us, not all of us. The word talks about that. It begins to lay it out right here. It's beginning to tell us, hey, if we are not utilities that different ones of us have. Look, if we are not unique to who God has called us to be in this season, we will never build the house God is actually calling us to. Our uniqueness is not going to be the style of clothes that we wear. It's not going to be the jeans that you have on. It's not going to be if you're on social media or you're not on social media. It's not going to be if you're young or if you're old. And if you use any one of those reasons to disqualify you from building the house, then you've missed the opportunity that was created only for you. I don't want to be the type of person who gets so pigeonholed in what I think God wants to do that I miss what he's actually saying he wants to do. 
I've got a few things for you as we look at the idea of these, some of these things being just for a few of us. This first thing I want you to write down is this. is competition kills collaboration. Competition kills collaboration. Here's what the early apostle could have said. He's like, look, hey, um, I don't really like the Apollos guy. I've seen him before. He's got a big bus. He rides around. He's got his face on the side of it www.apollosministries.com, whatever his thing is. I don't really trust that guy. He's a charlatan, okay? Like, he, he, is, he, 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 is a, he is a snake in the grass. you got to watch out for Apollos. This is what the apostle could have begun to say. Because what he, he realized, but it's easy to not realize, is that God had skilled Apollos with some different things than he personally had. Competition kills collaboration. And if we're going to build the house that God has called us to build, we have got to be the type of people that are not only willing to, but are hungry to collaborate with the people sitting around us. Because when I begin to collaborate with you, what I realize then is, is that God has created you to do some things that he has not created me to do. He's given you some gifts that he hasn't given me. He's given you some spheres of influence that he has not given me. And the longer that I sit around thinking that my space is the best space, then I will be sorely mistaken when I get to God and I realize that there's so many things I could have accomplished and I could have seen God do if I would have just simply been willing to collaborate with somebody else. Competition will kill collaboration. You see it a lot of times with, with, even with pastors. It's funny because it, it's, 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 it's a, the root is insecurity. It's much easier to stay inside of your own four walls and not meet the guy down the street and just kind of do your own thing and be like, you know what, I don't really trust them dudes. You know, they don't really have a heart for the city like we do. Uh, we've got a super heart for the city. Everybody else has got weak hearts. for the like, and, and you can begin to kind of paint yourself in this light because me and Bethany talk about this a lot. I, just something the Lord has, I guess, put on my heart, but kind of every hero needs, a, needs, a, needs a, an enemy. And so what we can begin to do is, is to create ourselves uh, or to, to, to set up a world where we see ourselves as the hero. We have to create the people who are the enemy. If, if, if we believe that our church is the best church, then we've got to believe that some other churches aren't as great. If I believe that I love the Lord the most, then I've got to highlight the issues inside of you. If I believe that I, I'm more hungry for my purpose, then I've got to highlight why you're not as hungry for your purpose. And if I'm going to be the hero, I've got to create my enemy. And when we begin to do that, we immediately cut ourselves off from what God actually is desiring for us. I met with a pastor this week and we were talking and I began to share a little bit about the message from, uh, from last week. We talked about out of Genesis chapter 11 with the Tower of Babel. It says that they all were in the same place, spoke the same language and thought the same way. And I'm like, man, if there, you hear a lot this idea in church of unity. We just need to be unified uh, in the spirit of God. Amen. That's great. We do need to be unified. But what we don't understand about unity is unity is not what we think. It's not just saying the same things, looking the same way, singing the same songs. Everybody plays, you know, Fender guitars. Everybody, you know, wears skinny jeans. Like, that's a new rule we're implementing here at Legacy. I'm uh, like... Whatever it might be, like we, we, we create this environment and we create this world where we think that unity is being identical. It's looking exactly like patterning ourselves. But really, when you look at the word in the scripture, you find that it's being uniquely different as who and as the person God has actually called you to be. I, I want to be the type of person and I want us to be the type of church 
that we're not intimidated by the person sitting next to us. You know, a lot of people don't serve because, not because they don't have a heart to serve, but it's because they allow the enemy to lie to them. They allow fear to take root in their heart and they become intimidated by the people around them. Well, you know, I'm just not as, I'm not as pretty as them. So, you know, I don't do that. They've, they've, they've already got, you know, they've already got a guy with a beard on the worship team. They don't need two guys on the beard, with a beard on the worship team. Like they, <laughs> they've got their beard guy. Like they've got him. Like they don't need, so it's a one beard quota. Like that's all, God knows if there's two beards on the platform, he can't move. Like, you know what I mean? So like, like, like we, we kind of create these internal scenarios of why he can't use me. I would love to, Lord, I would love to. But, you know, I've given them my ideas before and they just didn't, they didn't like my ideas. They didn't see the genius inside of my idea. Maybe you see too much of the genius inside of your own idea. But what you find is, is you find this world that we begin to isolate ourselves from the people around us, the people who can really elevate us. Because what we understand is, is that where I am weak, hopefully you are strong. It's the power of marriage. It says the two shall become one. It's because the weaknesses that I have are the strengths of my spouse and vice versa. And it goes the same way into the body of Christ that where when we begin to collaborate with each other, we begin to see creativity grow inside of this house. God might give you an idea and a dream for something that we can do as a church that he would never give me. And just because it didn't pop in my brain does not mean that it's not inspired by the Lord. But it means that God has created you unique. It says that some would water, some would plant, and the Lord would bring the increase. The funny thing is, is I've often lived my life in a way to where I want someone else to plant, someone else to water, and for me to receive the increase. I've wanted everybody else to do the work, but really, I just, I would love, love the fruit of my labors. Competition, it will absolutely demolish our collaboration with each other's people. Let me give you the second thing is this. Differences build diversity. Differences build diversity. I hope that when we stand inside of the four walls of Legacy House or when you walk in on a Sunday morning, I hope that you see people who do not look like you. I really, really do. Why? Because inside of our differences, we can begin to be a diverse body of people. If we're going to build the house that God has called us to build, we have to be diverse. It's not, it's, not, it's not a question of maybe we should. We have to be diverse. And when we understand that our differences are not things to be frustrated with, but our differences are really something to be celebrated, then in that moment, we're able to really step into the fullness that God has for us. Look, we've all experienced a lot of, a lot of bad church settings and environments. But how long are you going to let what you experienced 10 years ago how define your current life? How long, I have to ask myself that question, Chris, how long are you going to let the pain, the struggle, the heartache, the issue define who you now are? Because guess what? That, it, those people have probably moved on. They probably don't think about you nearly as much as you still think about them. And it's because maybe for what was just something that didn't seem like a big deal happened in passing for you, it became a root and it became bitterness and it became hurt and it became doubt and it became unbelief about all these types of things. But what we now see as differences that really can make us a diverse body, we're almost fearful of. Because if somebody doesn't look like me, then maybe they'll hurt me. If someone doesn't think the way that I think, then, then maybe, maybe they're not going to value me. Differences really give us the opportunity to be a diverse group. Okay, let me give you the third thing. Third thing is this. Third thing is that actions indicate health. Actions indicate 
hell. It's a scary thing to say, but we really do mean it, is that I believe that God is bringing us people who desire to be active. And I hope that somebody who's inactive is almost uncomfortable in our house. And you're like, well, that's not Christ-like. Well, actually, actually, it very much so is. Because God was a God of action. The reason we get fearful of action is because we're acting on things that God has never called us to act on. It goes back to our purpose. You're trying to do things that God has not skilled, equipped, and gifted you to do. So you're frustrated, you're tired, you're worn out because the areas of action in your life are not really the purposeful areas of action that God has placed inside of you. It's the dream inside of your heart. What are you doing to get to the dream? What are you doing? I, I, like, it's, this is probably scary and this might say a lot about myself, but this is how I talk to myself in private. Um, like, I, I, I'm like, what? What, are, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Sunday mornings, it's the, what are we doing? What are we doing? Before the service, t- today, we were sitting over here in this little studio trying to get my thoughts together before, before the message today. And I'm like, okay, but what are we doing as a church? What is, what, is the, what is our purpose? What is the house that God has called us to build? So I've got these three questions for you, and then we're going to wrap up, uh, and we're going to close the message today. And you look down with me again in verse Uh, In in verse 8, it says, The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we both are God's workers, and you are God's field, and you are God's building. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says that, look, hey, there's some things for some of us, right? Some of you plant, some of you water, uh, some of you, uh, you you're, you're tending the field, you're sweeping stuff up, you're, 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 you're outgoing, you're talking to people. There, there's some things that are different for all of us. It's the unique ways God has created this. But then at the end of this verse, it begins to let us know that there are some things that are for all of us. Yeah, some things are uniquely you, but some things are absolutely 100% all of this. And you see it there in the end of verse 9 where it says, uh, you will all be rewarded for your own hard work, for we are both God's workers, we are God's field, and we are God's building. It gives us three things there. It says that we are God's workers, that we are God's field, and that we are God's building. Every, every single one of us, black, white, young, old, male, female, uh, teenager, senior adult, we are all God's workers, field, and building. So when we begin to look at this, what are really the questions that we find here in this scripture that we have to begin to ask ourselves? The first thing is this, is what are you cultivating? What are you cultivating? It says in the New Testament where he, uh, he asks the disciples, he says, I pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers. There are just some things that we've got to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we've got to begin to say, you know what? This needs to be done and God has skilled me with the ability to do it. I am a 100% convinced believer that you can sit on the sidelines all day long and you will never feel connected. I can't tell you how many times I've been frustrated, I've had a bad day, and I've blamed everybody else for not calling me to check on the bad day that I don't know that I'm ha- that they don't know that I'm having. Because if they really heard from the Lord, then they would call me cuz I'm having a really really crappy day right now. Where is God? Where is the saints rallying around me right now? You know what? The saints are at home because they don't know you're having a bad day. But what happens is we sit in the corner with our arms folded just waiting on someone to come to me. 
Well, if they understood where I was, if they understood what I've walked through, you know how long I've been here? You know how much money I've gave? I probably bought that shirt that you're wearing right now. Like, you know, like, like <laughs> we create these scenarios where we sit on the sidelines and we're angry and we're frustrated and we're upset because of all this stuff happening around us. And we think, you know what? How come they don't know where I am? It is their responsibility to know my pain. No, it is not. No, it's not. It is not my responsibility to spiritually discern every time you're having a bad day and send you a text. It's your spiritual responsibility, as well as it is mine, to walk in enough maturity that when I need help, I don't allow my pride to keep me isolated in the corner, but really allows me to step out in faith and says, you know what, I'm having a bad day. But the problem is, is that we can't do that as long as we're sitting by ourselves. The problem is, is that we can't do that as long as we've gotten territorial about the seat that we sit in rather than the purpose that God has called us to. Yeah. I mean, what if, like, we walk in on a Sunday morning and, like, there's no seats in the building? We're just like, hey, we're all, we're all going to stand up today. God, I just don't, I don't believe in standing up. I didn't come to church to stand up. What if the things that we take for granted as luxury? are really things that could be distracting us from the purpose that God has for us. What if we're concerned about when we walk in and we see somebody sitting in the seat that we typically sit in, rather than our first thought being, hey, look, I don't know them. I should take the opportunity to get to meet them. What are you cultivating? Because it says that we are all God's workers. So what are you working towards? What are you working to build? Are you building frustration? Are you building isolation? Are you building doubt? Are you building division inside of your own heart? There's no solid answer about anything. Well, you know, I mean, that's probably not the best thing to do, but they're good people, so I'm sure it's not wrong. What are you cultivating? You know, the tools that God has given us, he's placed in your hand, and he's not responsible for what you and how you use and cultivate the field that he has given you. You are responsible for the way that you cultivate the field that he's given you. So the first question we have to ask ourselves is what do we cultivate? And the second thing is this. How is your conditioning? How is your conditioning? It's interesting because we have to understand that the fields that the Bible often talks about really is the condition of our own heart. So how... How is your condition today? That's the responsibility that we all have as believers is to ask ourselves that question. How, how is my condition? Am I angry? Am I frustrated? How, how is your field? If your life could be like literally laid out in the picture of a field, what would it look like? Would it be healthy? Would the soil be rich? Would the ground be soft? Or would it look like an old abandoned lot? Weeds so big they look like trees. Because nothing has been touched. And I don't want to be the type of person who talks about the great things that God wants to do, but I'm not conditioning myself for the purpose that he has for me. I'm tilling up the ground of my own life and saying, God, I, I need you to do a work inside of me. We have our circles going on right now. and It's important. I would encourage you to be in a circle because you need relationship. 
You do. You say, well, there might, there's not really a circle for me. Then make a circle for you. No, I, I just don't have time. Then don't complain about not having one. I, I, I want it, but I don't want to make it. Well, maybe what you need, God has given in your hands to actually build. Maybe what you see as a need is not so that you can project it upon somebody else. But really, it should be a burden inside of your heart that says, you know what, if I feel this way, there's probably somebody else who feels this way. And what I could do is, is I could create something for the other people who feel like me, where we can now not feel like this any longer, and we can actually walk in the health that God has for us. So you talk about it in student ministry all the time, where it's, it, we want someone to create the environment for us rather than us creating the environment ourselves. You see that all the time. We'd sit with parents, and parents would come in, and you're like, can't, you know, you can't talk to my kid like that. I'm like, I just told your kid he was a sinner and going to hell. And I was like, oh, I just told your kid he was a hellion, and uh, it's probably his mama's fault. Are you the mama? I was like, I'm just joking. I, we, there's, there's so many great youth ministry stories. Sometimes we'll have to tell some youth ministry stories. There's all kinds of stuff. One time we did a, uh, this is a true story. I, we did an, like a retreat and they told us that they needed to go clean up this bathroom. And so we went and cleaned up the, the we went to this first bathroom and there's nothing in there. I was like, oh, praise God. Like, you know, it wasn't a big deal. And it, it was, and we went to this other restroom and there was stuff all over the entire restroom. I mean, it started in a stall. It worked its way across counters. It was on the floor. It was on the walls. It was on the ceiling, folks. I promise you. Like, I, and it was a ladies' restroom. My, my image of women was forever changed that day. I was like, what happened in here? This is like a CSI crime scene. Like, it just, I was like, it was, I was like, I'm like, how? This, it was explosive. It was explosive. And then I never used bleach before. And so I didn't realize that bleach was like, you know, two capfuls for a gallon. I'm like, we're going to cut this stuff 50-50. So like I took a gallon of water to a gallon of bleach and they put three of us dudes in here cleaning this girl's bathroom. And we're all like, I just don't feel the need to get married anymore. And so here we are cleaning this bathroom about five minutes in. My eyes are burning. Can't see anything. And just it was bad. It was a bad moment, um, and, and you have these moments in our life that it creates these scenarios and these worlds that like we see the need and we see the issue, but we don't realize that maybe what God has equipped us with is he's put the mop in our hand. Could someone else have cleaned the restroom? My God, yes, and I wish they would have, <laughs> but they didn't. Why? Because the mop was in my hand. I could have easily gone out of there and said, look, I, I love you. And I, I love this ministry, but I cannot clean up that bathroom. No, the responsibility had been given to me. Therefore, I was equipped. I might have done it wrong, and I did very wrong. I, I, I might not have gone about it the easiest way or the best way, but I held the tools necessary to make a difference in that bathroom. Yes. And sometimes in your life, there's just going to be some poop that you have to clean up. And you are the only one holding the mop. You're probably not even supposed to mop it. I don't know. But the, the mop was ruined. Uh, like, I'm just ruining everything, getting it all. I was like, hey, this is, it was bad. But here's the thing. Is it's easy to look at the, our world, and it's easy to look at things like that. And you're like, that's true. That's funny. Like, oh, yeah, one day. But like, no. What about your life? Where are the things that God has given you the tools to make a difference in? 
and they're just simply sitting off to the side getting rusty and dusty because you're waiting for someone else to come and take the tool from you to make a difference. My Lord, help us all to understand what he has placed in our hands. If, if, if God today can speak to you the gifts and the tools that he's laid inside of your life to create and establish the foundation, then we'll leave with everything that we need. If he can highlight the areas that we've used as frustrations, as issues, well, one day the young preacher is going to understand something. If you want to reach people with money, you don't wear long shirts and tight jeans. He's going to go get him some Ralph Lauren and some chinos, and he, he's going to reach a city for God. God has created me this way, and God has created you that way. And in our diversity, we can collaborate and we can grow and we can be strengthened to build the house God is calling us to. So what are you cultivating? What's in your field? How is your condition? How is your heart? How is your life? Are you frustrated at the issues but not using the tools? And then lastly, as we close, and the band's going to come back up. As he goes on, he says, look, some of us, you know, we're, we're all God's workers, and we're all God's field. But it also says that we're all God's building, which is kind of strange. I get workers. I get even field. He talks about the parables of our heart. But we're all God's building. <laughs> what exactly does that mean? I believe what it really means is, is that we are each individually responsible for allowing people to come into our life. God has created you to be a building. He's created you to live life in such a manner that other people can find refuge inside of your journey. That there's space for people inside of your life. That there's room for people to come to you and to say, hey, I just, I need someone to pray with me. As I was driving in this morning, my prayer was, I was like, Lord, I want Legacy House to be a church where people can be connected without even being connected to me. I want Legacy House to be the type of church that people can be connected even if we don't go get lunch. Why? Because you're connected to the person next to you and you're connected to the person behind you and you're meeting the people who are sitting down front and you're meeting the people who are sitting in the back. It's because we are connected. My day and week is limited just as yours. Sometimes I want to pull my hair out and if you look close enough, you'd think that I have. And I want to think about, and I think about all this stuff, and I see the lists of things that need to be done, and, I'll, and I easily get overwhelmed. And the only saving grace in all of it is to pray for you. To pray for you. Because if God will equip you, no, it's theologically incorrect. God has equipped you. If you will realize what you've been equipped with, then there's not a single individual inside of this city that we cannot reach. Can I encourage you today to dream big? I was riding with a young guy a few weeks ago. 
He said, you know, he said, you know what the most challenging thing has been to me in this season? The Lord has really spoken to me. And I said, what was that? And he said, well, he said, I realized that I haven't really dreamed big. I haven't really thought big. Man, it's easy. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a sinner going to hell. But it's easy in our life to get caught up in our weekly routine and the frustrations of our job and the challenges of our finances and whatever it might be, the list is a mile long, that we lose sight of the dream. I don't want to be a church that looks like the city of Pensacola. I want to be a church that looks like the kingdom of God. We've got some big things that we're going to be announcing at the end of this month. and It's just crazy to see what all God has done because when we build a church that looks like the kingdom, it's reproducible anywhere. There's no city. There's no state. There's no demographic that cannot and will not be impacted by it. I think often the mistake that we make is we try to fashion ourselves after our location rather than after our king. So if I can build myself and my life internally to look like the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, then if someone doesn't come because of what I wear or because of our seats are red, or, then that's okay. Because those who have ears to hear and eyes to see and who are hungry to actually be who God has called you to be, I think this 21st century church, the greatest thing that it could do is take the spiritual bottles away from people. It's funny because we're teaching our girls kind of how to eat and uh, they're beginning to start using spoons now. Basically by using a spoon, they just slap it against their head and uh, <laughs> smack it somewhere in the eye region. And you're like, oh, oh, just don't poke your eye out. Uh, and just slapping food around, trying to, they occasionally get it. Elm is more coordinated than Harbor is. Harbor just does everything at 100 miles an hour. So she's falling and bumping and running and all that stuff. Elm is, she's precise. And so she can scoop up her little macaroni and cheese and she can stick it in her mouth. She's proud of herself. And then she puts her hands in macaroni and cheese and rubs it in her hair. And it's cool. I appreciate that. And, uh, but it's funny because you understand that when you're teaching someone, there's going to be mistakes that are made. It's going to get a little messy. Your life might right, right now might be a little bit messy. Guess what? You're in the perfect place for you. We're not scared of your mess. But we refuse to leave you there. We're not scared of your struggle. But we refuse to just sit by and soothe you and tell you, you know what? They were wrong and you were right. I'm sorry. Like, but we want to take you by the hand. And say, you know what? You might have been called to water. And I might be called to plant. So if we go at this thing together, then God is going to bring the increase. I just feel like the Lord's been saying this morning that some of you have been sitting dormant on your gift for a long time. Maybe at one time it was in full operation in your life and you were excited and you were passionate. But something happened. Something happened. Please don't let that something define you. Don't let the enemy win. Don't let fear 
keep you in the place that you've been any longer. Dust off the mop bucket. Yeah, it's a little bit messy. Yeah, it smells real bad. But you've been equipped to make a difference. You've been equipped to make a change. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. You can find more info and resources from Legacy House on our website, www.legacyhouse.life, or by following us on social media under the handle at LegacyHouseFL. Don't miss next week's podcast, From Our House to Yours.